Welcome and thanks for listening. My name is Christian Buckley and you're listening to the Collab Talk podcast. In this monthly conversation with Sean McDonough and Jeff Vorosky, we discuss Copilot General Availability, the SharePoint Branding Center, and more community news. Let's get started. And welcome to another episode of the Collab Talk podcast, episode 100. What? I know, I know. Where we discuss the convergence of technology, business productivity, and collaboration culture. My co-conspirators for today, Sean McDonough is Senior Solution Architect and Consultant with Cumina in Cincinnati, Ohio, and a M365 Apps and Services MVP. And Mr. Jeff Orosky, a Senior Architect for Insight which is just huge. They're all over the world. They're everywhere. Co-founder of the Boston Office 365 user group and the co-founder of the new Janky Workshop, not to be confused with the old or the the even newer Janky Workshop on YouTube. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, Christian. Good to be here, gentlemen. Welcome back from Asia. Yes, it's, yes. Uh, it's good to be home. Nine-day nine trip. I'll tell you, on Sunday, I walked around for the day and then eventually took a night tour of Singapore. It was my first time in Singapore, flown around mm -hmm. it, but finally got to visit it. Man, I appreciate cold weather. <laughs> <Not bad. clears throat> I, I definitely sweat off a couple pounds walking around, walking around. It was like 95, 96 degrees Ooh. and 95% yeah. humidity. Oh, oh awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it That's was. You walk brutal. out the door and your clothes just start sagging on you because they're absorbing yep. water. And I was, of course, walking in uh, jeans and a black T-shirt. It was awesome. <laughs> That's, As a, you know, was, That's poor wardrobe choices, Christian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know. Yeah, I, I, I left. <laughs> I left home. I had two sweatshirts in my my bag because it was a little bit cold when I left early morning. And knew it was going to be cold coming back. In fact, we're, we've officially entered fall, and there was snow on the mountaintops here. Um, but yes, I, I did not crack those open on this trip. No, mm. ah. who would have thunk? Yeah, I mean, you could have even you could have like turned up the uh, the AC really high. Oh, do they have AC in their hotel rooms? That's the first uh, question. <laughs> uh, some of them did. Yes. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, then you crank that up real high, and then you can wear one. Yeah. <laughs> Gentlemen, this is lots going on. Some some stuff came out. So obviously, we're going to start things off talking about Copilot. But this is our monthly our you know review of the latest Microsoft news. And there's there's that Microsoft has their quarterly numbers out. So there's earnings conversations, some competitive discussions. There's things going on with Dynamics, with Azure, with oh yes, Windows Phone, with Xbox. <laughs> And more that's that we're going to talk about. So, uh, yeah. Anything else? Yeah. Any, anything else? Kind of jump out. Anything, anything that stood out to either of you in the news from this month? I've uh, been focused uh, elsewhere. So. Yeah. No. Yeah, this is this isn't this isn't my uh, this isn't my monthly review. This is my monthly introduction to the news. <laughs> well, some of it you've heard about. Well, let's jump in. Sure. So, Copilot. General availability. Yay. We all rushed out, right? And and did something. Well, I'm still I, trying to figure out what to do with the uh, the icon that's been sitting in my taskbar uh, near the start button. I accidentally clicked it thinking I was going to a browser. Um, so I've dabbled with Copilot and closing it out, but I haven't really <laughs> used it too much. Yeah, this and I know is we're a... talking about Microsoft 365 specifically, but you know, Copilot is seemingly omnipresent. I, so at the uh, so where was I uh, er, earlier in the month? It's just so so long ago. Oh, at the Power Platform Conference. Um, okay, yeah. I was I was looking around for Matt Wade. I think he was there. I never I didn't never saw him. I had an important question. So for those that don't know, Matt Wade is the creator of, or the co-creator of the, uh, uh, for Microsoft 365, kind of the uh, the the table of elements. Um, 
you know, version yeah. to understand Microsoft 365 and how products work together and, and, you know, kind of where they fit. And, and I was going to ask him, it's like, are you working on something that's co-pilot related for people to understand, you know, like what's free, what comes with my E3, E5 license or F license, what's premium, like, where do these pieces come together? I don't know if he's working on something like that, but we almost need that now because mm -hmm. there's that question. Yeah. We, we've all heard that the number now that it's GA, it's like, well, what's out there and what's actually available? What do I have to pay $30 a user a month for? Oh, and you guys, have you heard about the threshold of number of users to pay $30 a month? I haven't heard about the threshold. No. I've known about the 30 bucks a month. Yeah, there's right. a minimum number of users in an organization. So like myself, I, I thought, hey, I'll go pay 30 bucks a month. I want to have this out on my my tenant. Like, I don't know what Microsoft is doing to support MVPs in that, but no, not available for a single user with a demo tenant. My understanding no, that is that you have to have, what is it? I think 300 users. So yeah, it sounds at like least two, three hundred users to do that. So anyway, that that's another kind of uh, stick in the maw for those that are uh, you know, eager to uh, to try things out. But yeah, you're uh, kind of ignoring the whole long tail of uh, users in a tenant. I mean, if it's only going to be the largest organizations, that long tail, nobody's going to be able to experiment with it and play with it before they buy it. Right. So why well, go pay 30 bucks on a, a you right. know, a lark or something you haven't tried? Well, I mean, the other way around. So I, I, I what I don't know, this is from, uh, um, you know, I, as a non-developer, I know that there's people out playing with it, experimenting. I've had a couple people reach out to me and say, hey, Christian, you know, there's stuff that you could do now with kind of the developer preview version and go and build things. Because my dream is to, with my single, my, my MVP tenant, is to to train it based on my uh, my OneNote, my vast OneNote archives, my email, and of course the rest of my N365 content. But just every article that I've written over the last decade is in OneNote, and so yeah. that's that's a place where I'm going and researching on a topic. If I've written on it, if I've captured notes from uh, conferences, it's all in OneNote. That's the first place I go and search. So to be able to train it an LLM on my own content is a dream to be able to go and leverage that. We'd get the Christian bot. Is that what the world needs? <laughs> I don't know about the world. I just want it for my, for myself. Let's plug yeah. that thing into your brain. There you go. That's right. Well, it kind of goes back to, it's, it's like an area that I've been interested in, you know, really since the, the start of this, uh, podcast well uh, it's the start of my blog back in 2004 i've talked about this there was uh, uh there's a gentleman that was worked for microsoft uh he was in his mid to late 80s so i'm thinking he might not be around i started my blog in 2004 um and it killed but, him <laughs> but he was he was written up in i i think it was fast company um, but about how he was, he had uh, cameras that he would wear. This is pre-Google Glass, um, the original glass hole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but his, 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 uh, so he's part of Microsoft Research and his intent was to capture every activity uh, that he did, every, every artifact that he created, every activity that he participated in, capture it all. So he was looking at how do we, you know, extend what the brain can store and retain and and makes uh, sense. You know, synthesize. And so I just thought that was brilliant. That was kind of a, my entry point into. I'm, I'm thinking my is my brain now. My post-COVID fog of trying to remember <laughs> the timeline of of things together. But that was an important milestone in my thinking about knowledge management systems. And yeah, it's a pretty clever idea, really. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I love this. This co-pilot is kind of an extension of that, of that concept. Capture everything, but be able to bring it in and contextually, contextually draw upon 
you know, the, those data stores, wherever yeah. that data exists. It's not so it's generally idea. available. Copilot and Windows, Bing Chat Enterprise, Microsoft 365 Copilot. And uh, yeah, of course, I've got all the resources. Those uh, are just listening to this. If you go over to the blog at Buckley Planet and find the related blog post, I'll have links to all the articles that we discuss here. Um, so yeah, so Microsoft has their commercial SKU lineup, Copilot and Windows, Bing Chat Enterprise, and Microsoft 365 Copilot, kind of everything that is included there. Um, but the other thing that just showed up was Copilot in Edge. Mm -hmm. So that's out there now. So yep, you've probably I had seen it. that turn on. I had it. I somehow uh, thought that was uh, integrated with Edge already, Bing. But yeah, that's well, a distinctly different offering. Yeah, well, it's got a different name. So yes, I, I would. I consider it a different offering. Mm -hmm. No, the thing that it did different was that it popped itself open without being clicked on to kind oh. of announce that it was alive and there. Yeah, I had it uh, yesterday uh, create me uh, an image of a happy flying log, uh, which I just dropped in the chat. <laughs> I, I, that can go so many bad ways, Jeff. <laughs> you, you know, I keep thinking of Copilot now is is uh, if you've been watching Loki season yes. two, is uh -huh. Miss Minutes. That's Copilot. <laughs> <Hi. laughs> yeah. Uh, he it's, who it's remains. Miss <laughs> Minutes is a new clippy. It's a new clippy. Well, it, it's uh, Miss Minutes was created long, long, long ago. Um, this is AI. Um, <laughs> so Copilot will turn into Miss Minutes yeah. and have a love relationship with um, uh, Hebrew Remains. <laughs> well, that, that happy meme that you shared of the log, that just makes me think of Run and Stimpy because everyone loves log. <laughs> it's big, it's heavy, it's wood. Yeah. <laughs> it's better than that. It's good. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you idiot. Yeah. You idiot. All right. Uh, sorry. We're uh, running Stimpy is a classic, though. Uh, <laughs> it is. No, sir. I didn't like it at all. Uh, it's there's so many mini memes that are out of that. You know, the yeah. we're not we're not hitchhiking anymore. We're riding. It's one of my favorite lines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's that, that's going on. Um, and then there's a couple articles that I uh, that I'll share here. Um, whether uh, so, Microsoft invested 13 billion in Gen AI. Does Copilot for Windows show it's a bad bet? Um, that's coming from Computer World. So they're going in and they're looking at the the uh, competitive landscape, and they're saying that you know they're claiming that it was la that it's landing with a thud. I don't know what they're talking about. Because people, uh, you know, people are as much as we're uh, like from the MVP crowd, from the community people. It's it's like a, it's just so heavy-handed on the marketing around Copilot. But people yeah, we're caught are, in an echo chamber right now. Right, it's just but, everybody's talking about it. But everybody's excited about it. I mean, talking with customers—that's what they want to see. That's what they want to hear about. So I don't know right. what they're talking about. Landing with a thud. Well, who is Computer World's general consumer? What kind of uh, profile do they have? Yeah. I mean, I'm familiar with Computer World, have been for years, but I just don't know who well, they might be targeting. A, they're using a Prodigy dial-up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, there's other other interesting news that are out there. I'll provide that that link. But there's, uh, yeah, there you're right. There are some people that um, they seem to uh, uh, be the negative Nelly, like looking at every every the dark side of every news piece that comes out of Microsoft is uh, oh, it's like you you they helped a million people do this. Like oh, what about the 290 million people that they ignore with that feature? Uh, you know, they, <laughs> they'll look for something there. No, but as they uh, take a note in their Franklin planner, right? Uh, <laughs> Bloomberg has an article out talking about Microsoft's cloud recovery is outshining rivals Amazon and Google. So there's a, a quite a few articles out there talking about 
the latest Microsoft numbers. I don't remember the the revenue, the quarterly revenue. It's up like 13%, I believe. Um, but nice. they're they're talking about how um, you know the earnings are up, the the cloud, you know, AI, they're beating Amazon and and Google. Um there's a uh, another article I was reading this morning talking about how Amazon's still number one in cloud, but the they are sweating bullets because Microsoft is cl- is catching up because of their uh, jumpstart on AI and they're mm-hmm. grabbing attention. I, I'd love to see some stats I've not seen around uh, search, whether it's had any impact on Bing versus Google. That would be an interesting comparison. Yeah, I personally never use Bing for anything, but since they've integrated the um, uh, the AI chat into it, um, I've actually been jumping over there from time to time. Um, I like Google's, you know, as far as like just regular search interface goes. Um, I like the generative AI that they have in it, so they will summarize um, your search and give you a quick summary of it. But I like the experience of Bing better. Yeah. Yeah, I might be more inclined to use Bing if it didn't, upon launching it, try to anchor itself with tooth and nail into every other thing on your system. I, it just <laughs> it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I mean, I, I want to like it, but the fact that I've got to go say, no, don't switch my search engine. No, I really mean it. No, <laughs> I'm going to take you off. You know, it just it doesn't rub me the right way. I like Google Chrome and Google search in general, because it goes out, it searches, and that's it. It does what it's supposed to do um, without trying to tack anything on. Mm-hmm. Well, my 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 half joke that I always use is that I, it's like I, I, I use Bing all the time, except when I want to find something. I don't <laughs> use search. And, I mean, the, the reality is just going and doing a basic search, you know, what you need search for, um, go look at the results between the two experiences and I find what I'm looking for much uh, more quickly using Google. uh, If I find it at all inside of Bing where I'm trying to now with the new AI capabilities, though, get kind of creative summary of that or find more insights into it. I am, I go over to Bing for, for those, Mm -hmm. those things. So if I'm creating content, and looking at resources, I go that direction versus over to Google. So makes uh, sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to look at the division and what's what's happening there. Um, all right, so uh, we've got that. There's also, and this is a little bit uh, uh, a little bit outdated, but uh, so I, I there's an article out on or video that's out on Techie Gurus that I did with Kathy Du talking about. OneDrive SharePoint, but specifically talking about the new branding center. So we love I, Kathy. I, yeah, Kathy's a rock star. If you are not up to date on what the is going on with the branding center, then definitely go check that out. I'll provide the link there. But yeah, that's something where it got some fanfare back in May and haven't really heard much about. But again, if you've not yet gone and explored that, those that's those new features. Um, definitely go check that out. I guess co-pilot announcements are kind of overshadowing much of everything else, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the uh, that's the hard part about Microsoft marketing, and that having worked for ISVs the last almost fifteen years, uh, you know, and that's it's always something you that know better you than most. You have to go and 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 you know this too, Sean. Working for product companies, that now you, you've got the messaging which you go and you build around experience, customer experience, the partner experience, actual deployments, actual data, and then you get the marketing messages that come out and it causes confusion out in the marketplace every time. You have to wait for it yeah. to settle down, mm-hmm. see what's actually real, and right. then update clients on it and so it's part of the hype cycle i wish more customers would understand the hype cycle yeah Yeah. i agree Mm -hmm. and uh, i think sometimes we don't do it any favors because 
you know, we're talking about future looking things and potential trends. But, you know, I know for the longest time, those of us within the, you know, MVP community, we're always trying to give presentations on the latest, greatest, what's coming out. Um, and I know that we've caused, at least in several SharePoint Saturdays, for instance, over the years, um, many different attendees were saying, you know, I want something I can use now that I know is real. Um, this other stuff is great, but there's no use case for any of it yet. It's all hypothetical. And I'm not saying that that, you know, we shouldn't be talking about that stuff, but it would help if, you know, folks who came to our sessions and listened to us actually understood what's forward looking hypothetical versus what's here and now. So just rephrasing what you said, Christian. Yeah, but the user um, was speaking at user groups and SharePoint Saturdays and stuff like that. That's where you draw the crowds is with if you have the latest shiny new thing that you're talking about, that's where you, it's a numbers thing. You know, you just get more yeah. people. Yeah, well, but at the same time, I mean, I've the, the takeaway I've always had from SharePoint Saturdays is these people want to have something that they can use on Monday morning when they go to work. Mm -hmm. They want something yeah. that's going to improve their experience. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I think it's a, a kind of a balancing act or a tightrope to walk. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I really loved for years doing the productivity tips. And you know, Tom Duff and I, our sessions, we would pack it in those sessions. Remember doing the uh, the N365 conference in Las Vegas, standing room only, just a huge room, because all we covered are, and we actually covered features that sometimes had been around for years, but mm -hmm. people were generally yeah. unaware. And I love going in and saying, it's like, you know, here's 20 different productivity tips, you know, in an hour that we would go through. And, you know, and, and typically you're just like, you know, 10 of them's like, yeah, I'm aware of this stuff. And then suddenly there's one like, oh my gosh. And so that, that's a, the benefit mm -hmm. of those sessions. And, and the allure for a speaker is of course, having, you're talking about the latest, greatest stuff, but the session, just because you have, you know, 10 people sitting in a room talking about you know, in depth on the, the deployment experience of real world examples of using that that technology has been out for a while. You know, those those ten practitioners get more value out of it than you know, other yeah. people sitting in a room listening to the uh, uh, the the art of what's possible in the future. Yeah, sure, definitely. I agree. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's easy to get sucked in. It's it's exciting to have a full room. It's just like you know. People really love me. It's great being here and talking about the <laughs> latest stuff. But um, I, I really love when the technology that you're talking about is real and you've got the practical examples and can share that. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Speaking about real technology, now I've got open here, uh, making kind of a joke because of uh, Sean's <laughs> love for all things dynamics. No, there was another announcement this week um, from the Microsoft Business Applications launch event. Microsoft announced their release of Wave 2 for Dynamics 365 and the Microsoft Power Platform with a six-month rollout of new and enhanced capabilities that begin this month. So there's their Dynamics future, that's a nice deal. Hundreds of new features. So let's see. Um, yeah, there's so they're talking about, of course, all the AI powered stuff. There's ERP integrations, uh, enhanced customer experiences, um, AI generated low code app development. So which, uh, you know, is, is cool stuff. So um, yeah. there's a lot of. Let's see, get down into this list. Uh, I think yeah, I saw I'll one of to. the companies I work with scroll by. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to name names, but okay. Yeah, so I, you know, I think that where I think the most, the biggest bang for the buck is coming from the, uh, you know, the the support for the low code app development. So I mean that that's where most people need the help anyway. It's because I think that the uh, the misnomer is or 
I say the lie. I say there is no no code of the <laughs> power platform development. It's low code. Um, but there's a, you know, when you start getting into some of the logic that you need to be able to to put into to make some of these apps functional, it gets the learning curve gets steep very quickly. Yep. And so for being able to leverage AI is going to be powerful. Yeah. In addition to that, I mean, we're seeing low code solutions on the power platform and whatnot, you know, out in the enterprise now. And I talk about, you know, the last blog post I wrote was kind of how, um, uh, power platforms in the teenage years, where it shows all kinds of capability um, and promise for getting everybody into the uh, quasi developer bucket. But at the same time, um, it's not ready for the enterprise. We don't have uh, source control. We don't have ALM integration or anything like that. It it needs to mature in that area, uh, and I'm hoping that you know this as an example will help drive some of that. I know Microsoft has put out some tools, but not a lot, and they're not very well known. But Sean, we have the COE. <laughs> COE. Oh man, if I wish I had a nickel for every time I heard COE, uh, I'd probably have thirty five cents. Yep. It's COE is a great way to, you know, for a, a company to spend money with a consulting company trying to get it to work. Yeah. <laughs> and then they update it all the time and then you have to do everything over again. Yeah. Well, you know, there, there are some third party tool providers that do provide some of that, you know, that kind of support. I'm just saying. Like who, Christian? <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. I'll say that they're not a sponsor for this. This is independent, but I will say that uh, for Power Platform for Power Apps and Power Automate, Rencore provides a, a automation around that reporting, and it's a great governance solution for for that. But of course, it needs to be expanded. There's a lot that's happening very rapidly. We like to say that we work side by side with the center of excellence that Microsoft produces, but yeah. Yeah, I think that we have quite a few customers that that become interested because they've deployed the COE and then find it lacking in what they need for governance help. But yeah, you know, companies have to go and experience that because the Microsoft marketing is strong, uh, and uh, and then people need to go experience it themselves and then realize, hey, we need some additional help here. Yeah, yep. there's a gap to fill. Uh -huh. Well, other stuff, there's also, uh, so the skills in Microsoft Viva, um, I, I do like the, and this is another, I would say, I would call this, this, this actually comes from the conversations at the speakers dinners around this uh, APAC trip, talking about how a lot of Viva, great Viva stuff is just kind of taking the backseat to all the co-pilot announcements. And yeah, skills is another example of that um you know there's the 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 general availability of viva amplify that came out you think of amplify um can't remember when that was that was, was that also the beginning of this month i think it was it was pretty recent i think it was the beginning of this see how time doesn't matter anymore i don't know um <laughs> yeah viva I, I amplify. didn't hear about amplify what is viva so, amplify i'll be the yeah, viva guy. amplify is you think of it like hubspot for Microsoft okay. 365. You can actually go gotcha. in and create internal marketing campaigns and publish and communicate out through all of the M365 channels. So you can make sure that messaging and look at you know stats on who's actually reading, where, where people in your organization are consuming. Is it, it through Engage, which is Yammer? Is it through email? Is it through SharePoint, through the you know, connections front end? Um, how are, is it through teams? Where are people consuming the information and who, um, what, it, what's the response? What's the level of engagement you're having with your messaging? So it's a great way for leadership teams, uh, and managers to really build structured communications. So the, the, the primary user of this are internal comms people. Uh, and leadership teams. Just uh, I'm so, I'm excited by it. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, you know, comparing to the market, this is sort of a inwardly focused or inner loop uh, equivalent to Hootsuite or HubSpot, something like that. Yeah, it's, it's more like HubSpot, so more like a marketing campaign management tool. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, and, and with reporting, with insights on the back end, um, yeah, so it's 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 cool it, it will help you also more quickly and and leveraging like the copilot type capabilities is that take a message be able to see what is this experience going to look like in each of the different environments that i want to push this out to and then track those insights track the success of that campaign where were we most successful where are we having people clicking and and responding and reading this content What'll be interesting is if they could develop the capability to, you know, after you've done a number of these campaigns and it's been analyzed um, with Amplify, if they could have the AI preemptively either generate or evaluate potential marketing campaigns to see if it can tie the knowledge into how well something might or might not be received. Yep. Well, that's that's kind of where it works side by side with with Copilot, and we'll hear more, we'll see more. In fact, I'm I'm excited here next month at ESPC in Amsterdam. I think we're going to start seeing some of the examples because um, we're started with it, you know, having been out for a month and a half, two months, uh, and and people that you know Microsoft will be presenting, of course. Uh, but we're going to see more and more from the field. So I would say as you get into early 2024, um, I'm going to be presenting on Amplify topics in the spring um, and sharing some of my learnings and experience from that. And other speakers, go check out some of the sessions where you start to see real-world implementations and kind of key takeaways from that experience. Because again, it's one thing to hear from Microsoft's marketing version of the products and another thing to hear from MVPs and community experts, like, hey, here, here we've actually used it. Here's what we've seen. There are videos that are out there. Daryl Webster um, is a Daniel Anderson, um, a few that are creating content that are kind of going into, uh, they had early access uh, and sharing what they've taken away from using the product. So definitely go check Darryl out. Daryl is a services on this, huh? Yes, of course. Um, skills in Viva is another thing. Um, you know, again, I need to dig more and play with it, but this is the, you know, being able to go in and understand, okay, my organization, what are those workforce skills and gaps? Where do we need to, based on usage patterns, where do we need to, uh, implement more training? Um, where are my experts and, you know, what do they know and and how do I, if I know that I need to, because it's a, it's a huge enterprise education learning problem, where do we need to train our people? Where where are those skills gaps? Uh, and so you've got, you know, again, AI helping decipher that in a very complex environment. Cool. All right, other announcements. So there was, yeah, I don't know anything <laughs> about this one. Microsoft Azure introduces Radius, an open source development platform for multi-cloud computing. Yeah, and my comment is the only Radius I know is in terms of uh, internet authentication, um, you know, that's not proprietary, typically for people who are dialing into sites and things like that. So I'm sure that's not what we're talking about here. Yeah, the Radius server is down. <laughs> Remote authentication, yeah. dial-in user service. Yeah, and they even call that out here. Yeah, so I like I like that. That's not Radius. You're right. It's not. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and so the the remote authentication, dial-in user service, or Radius protocol is is what most people are familiar with. But this is again one of those naming scenarios that Microsoft runs into and yeah trips over itself. Maybe they should use Copilot and come up with give me several different possible <laughs> names for this product. Yeah, that doesn't leverage an existing product or acronym. Eat thy own dog food. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that anyways, that's, that's something that I know we're we're not up to speed on the the latest there, but that was news. The other big thing I it kind of uh, caught a lot of people off guard. There's a lot of chat out in in the Twitter world. 
um, that you have Chris Capicello, who is the 10 plus year CMO of Microsoft is leaving the company. So he's, that was at 32 years. Yeah. He so, was a fixture. Yeah. And, and someone, so I met him several times. So back in my MMS BPOS days, uh, I remember I had a conversation with him, caught him over in, um, I'm trying to remember which building it was, but, uh, on campus in a stairwell and had a great conversation with him. Uh, when I was leaving the BPOS team and going over to advertising operations and he, you know, had a quick chat and talked about that and he wished me well in the new role and yeah, just a genuinely nice guy. So everybody likes Chris. Yeah. I, I think the only person that the Microsoft executive that people liked more than, than Chris or Satya um, was Bob Muglia who is a fan favorite, you know, who for folks that don't know, Bob used to run the server and tools organization and came up through the ranks, I think as a support person. Um, so long time Microsoft person, but went from the front lines of support all the way up to executive role and left as Microsoft started moving into cloud, but was just a yeah. awesome, another awesome human being. Yeah. Bob had his feet firmly planted in reality. So if yeah. he wanted to, you know, the real assessment of how it might affect customers, you would be wise to listen to Bob. Uh, Bob also was, what I loved about Bob is that his sense of humor is that he, and he got Bomber, Bomber's pretty funny guy too, would uh, participate. They did a bunch of internal videos. Some of them leaked out to the web, uh, but it used to be you'd walk through the server and tools buildings of 40s, 42, 43, and there'd be monitors or, you know, mounted by, in the hallways by the elevators and they'd run through and they made these little internal videos that were <laughs> funny. And Bob was always like the, like the klutzy janitor that screwed everything up and everybody's like, you know, <laughs> shut up, Bob and get out of here, Bob, you ruined it again, Bob. And, and, uh, they had a lot of fun with stuff and they had that stuff running and then, you know, cut to like the little internal video and then back to stats of what was going on with the latest builds and, exciting stuff like uh um uh um well i uh, server and tools what do they own um the config manager and teams were, were over there but anyway but anyway so back to you know capicella leaving as uh, they've already appointed um their the new cmo um See, where's his name? Takeshi Numoto, who was the EVP and he was the commercial chief marketing officer. So he reported to Chris, he's stepping up into that role and they've got a new uh, commercial chief marketing officer also starting. So um, Chris is going to stick on to uh, stay on for the transition of those two people into their into their roles. But yeah, that's just a. It was just a big announcement. Do we know what he's doing after Microsoft? I don't think so i think it's just kind of does the the standard um can't wait to announce what he's going to be doing next okay thing i don't think it says what he's doing yet um yeah i'm sure we're here in time but again i mean chris was uh you know instrumental in, in the marketing around uh you know, office 365 and its growth and sharepoint behind that um and into the cloud, and now that moving away as as uh, things are moving over into AI and stepping back, and I'm going to go do something different. So, yeah, um, wish him well. Another social conversation that I loved hearing was suddenly there was a flurry of people talking about how much they missed their uh, their Windows phones. I yes. was one of them. Yeah, I miss it. Awesome interface. Yeah, I liked it very much. <clears throat> Never had one. Oh, you've missed out, Jeff. Yeah. Oh. But you saved some money. <laughs> well, the problem I yeah, had is I, being a Verizon guy is that we we got the first wave of phones and they never updated, they never invested. No, that and, one model. Yeah. And so that that was that was rough. But where this all came from, for those that are wondering, um, Satya Nadella um, confessed in an interview that Microsoft's decision to kill its mobile platform, that was 10 years ago, said it was a strategic mistake. Like, hello. Yeah. 
yeah. so there's there's people that you know fall on either side of that that argument that said hey it was the right thing to 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 kill it off but i put it in that category is that they i feel like they never fully supported it because it wasn't an instant success overnight mm-hmm. and rather than doubling down and investing more in it to to speed up and to compete that they just walked away from it and they would you, you compare know, it to the zune yeah well I, the the problem was zune yeah they took too well yeah it was because they took too long to create the zune mm-hmm. and they took too long with the uh with the windows phone and then they um I, yeah they 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 invested not well the problem was that they well, from a Zune standpoint, as you both know, I'm a complete Zune fanboy and still own several working Zunes, <laughs> uh, is that they they didn't, yeah, they were slow to the punch. They ended up creating a sub, far superior product with the later models, but then things were already moving to the phones. Yeah. And so they they should have incorporated that and moved over, had Zune, everything over on the Windows phone. I think it... Was I can't remember if Zune experience was s- on the Windows phone. I think there was, if I'm remembering back to when I had mine. I mean, I didn't use Zune, but I always knew that, you know, you were a big fan of it. Uh, a couple other people in the community stand behind it to this day. So. Well, for music collectors, for music listeners, it was just a far superior uh, experience. The software, um, mm. so you can complain about the hardware. It's like, but from the software... Um, just, it was a more visual experience. It wasn't just a, an Excel spreadsheet, which was iTunes and, a, which and a, just terrible. Just Are awful. they still even using that? I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know because they use Spotify now, but, um, the, the other person who instantly comes to mind with the zoom beside you, Christian is uh Rick Taylor in the community. Yeah. He's a big yep. supporter of zoom. Yep. So. But that's uh, but I, I that kind of goes it does go kind of hand in hand with the Windows Phone, and it was just uh, things where I think that they they could have caught up, they could have had a a superior performance, and so there's some people that are speculating with that discussion that, and even uh, uh, people out in social, some people even saying, hey, it's not too late. You Microsoft could always re-enter, go and R and D this thing, create something. Uh, you know, there, there's a market for it and people be excited. The issue, I don't think, I think what killed it though, um, was not, I mean, Microsoft ultimately killed it by not investing enough in it. Um, but it was because they never garnered the support from the carriers around it. So yeah. I don't know. I know there's, there's a lot of people that thought much more around it. Yeah. It was like a, a Nokia, I believe. I don't remember now. An 860 but, maybe? I, I've got one in my basement. But that's a, yeah, I've got one in my uh, my device graveyard box as well. Um, but yeah, that's one of those things. That, like I realize there's a lot of people that are much more knowledgeable about us on it. I, I did, I loved the interface. For somebody who traveled a lot, it was just fantastic way of using it. Now I'm an iPhone user. It's like I preferred it over iPhone. Um, it didn't have all the apps. They they had problems with the developer community. They had problems with the there were just problems across the board. Like I get it why yeah. they killed it. It's just unfortunate because I think that they were one or two versions away from it becoming a solid number three player and at least generating some some revenue and being a strategic asset in everything else that they were doing. Yeah, I mm-hmm. agree. Uh, let's see. Windows Phone. So are you guys keeping up with uh, what's going on with Xbox and the, the, the Activision Blizzard deal finally went through? No. I, no. You know, as I was mentioning, I was just, you know, shocked that Blizzard uh, got picked up. Um, I, I think it potentially spells great things um, because Microsoft has a pretty good, in my opinion, they have a pretty good track record with... Um, game developers that they pick up you know like bungie that they bought many years back um bungie you know of course the um they had their various did they have halo was that bungie 
I don't, I don't know. I'm not that much that of a up. gamer to know that stuff, but yeah. But it, it is yeah, interesting that there, so they, there's a bunch of, for folks that are tracking this, that that was two weeks ago when the deal closed. Microsoft is, uh, they promoted Matt Booty to president of game content and studios and Sarah Bond to Xbox president, um, doing all, all over all the platform and hardware. Um, so, and there's a lot that's going on, of course, with the change with, with Capicella leaving around marketing around that. Um, so there's a, just a lot happening. And there's a lot of questions of people like what's happening around AI over in the gaming world. I'm excited to hear more about what they'll be doing on that side and with on the devices side for, for gaming, because that could be a, dare I say, game changer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But yeah, Bungie was acquired by Microsoft in um, the 90s, I believe, and then... Um, acquired by Bungie, they acquired them in 2000, and Project Halo was their brainchild. We know what that's done for Microsoft gaming. Yeah, so I, I'm excited to see that that stuff. But uh, yeah, um, so that. Oh, and the the last thing uh, in our waning moments here, um, I know that both of you are very anxious to discuss this. And I'd like to, uh, you know, get caught up in all the latest. So maybe you guys could fill me in. Uh, there was also an announcement about the Microsoft Mesh has entered preview uh, in, in October, and it includes a new Teams experience. What's going on so, there? Uh, <laughs> this is <laughs> like the Radius article. This is one where we should have a disclaimer at the top. This is not live Mesh, which uh, right. many of us are familiar with as the early. <laughs> file solution um, that eventually evolved into OneDrive, I believe. Should we, after should we refer Sky to this, cla this is classic mesh versus, what this is, is new gonna... mesh versus classic Modern mesh? mesh. <laughs> I, I guess that seems to fit, but yeah. So Metro I can't mesh hear mesh. Is the new mesh. <laughs> Metro mesh. I can't see or hear mesh without thinking live mesh. And that's a, yep. a shortcoming on my own, but you know, Microsoft, they, again, had one too many beers at the bar when they came up with the, the title for this because you're just going to confuse people, was, anyone who's been was, in the market a long time. Did the original Mesh, wasn't that a, was that a Ray Aussie? Does that go back that far? Or was it after um, I want to say it was around the same time, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, I don't, you know, it was, it was around in preview form. I don't think it was ever officially released. Where we got an official release was SkyDrive. Um, but that sounds about right, Christian. But it's it's interesting though. So some of the chatter that I uh, you know, heard about this, that we were we were joking about this um, while I was on this this trip at these uh, events. In fact, I think it was in Kuala Lumpur. We were sitting and talking about there's because there was a couple of folks there that are into the virtual reality space, and we're talking about mesh. And I realized that there was. Uh, uh, there was uh, just just the last few weeks. There was the first, like we talked about, you know, a SharePoint Saturday and now M365 Saturday or Collab Days. There was a full mesh-related, virtual rela reality-related event that was held somewhere in the world, um, and maybe it was virtual. Probably was. <laughs> now that I can think about it, it probably was virtual, <laughs> not in person, which would make sense. Yeah, but um, kind of follows, yeah. Yeah, it uh, well, st staying true to brand. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> my my running joke is like sitting here watching on. I saw the article again, and it'll be at the bottom of the links that I'll share. Um, uh, is that the avatars, which are the floating torsos, that you have to pay the premium licenses to get legs for your avatar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's going to be, yeah. it's gonna, it does come standard with your E9 license though. So <laughs> The metaverse people <laughs> learned that lesson already. Yeah. Uh, Legless floaty torsos. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, you can't wait to use that in a meeting. Yeah. So it, it is, uh, it, it's one of those things where, uh, I've said this before. I'm I, I'm not a huge believer in in the this space. I, I I'm I'm much more. I'm, I'm big on um not the 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 
pure virtual, but the augmented reality solutions, mm -hmm. I think, it's have reality, so many yeah. real-world applications to it. Having said that, I went as a skeptic to an event in Salt Lake City. We had a number of vendors that were demonstrating their products that were uh, you know, available um, out in the marketplace. Put on a headset, went and tried some of the things. There's something that happens. Your brain switches over. It can be incredibly powerful, especially in learning environments um, using the tools. So, um, yeah, I, I, again, I, I'm a skeptic of, of a lot of it, but I, I, I get it. I understand having that as an option, having that as a tool, especially in learning scenarios. It's, it's, uh, it's incredibly powerful and useful, and I think there's a lot of future application for it. Uh, I, I think we're still a ways away from it. Um, especially mm -hmm. with the cost of devices. Yeah. I've still got my HoloLens here. Yeah. How how yeah. often are you using that, Sean? Not very. Yeah. Yeah. I gravitate towards my Rift and Quest. So. Yeah. Well, a lot going on. I know we're going to have next time we meet a lot of announcements that are coming up with uh, events that are happening over in Europe and. Microsoft is uh, is getting ready to to make some more announcements. So uh, we'll do it again next month. So thank you so much, gentlemen. Oh, thank and, you, Christian. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, for having me. And thanks everybody <laughs> for listening. And we'll catch you next month with our next update. Dream of flying logs, people. Flying logs. Happy flying logs. Because everyone <laughs> loves log. Big is heavy, it's wood, it's log, it's log, it's better than bed, it's good. You've been listening to the Collab Talk podcast. New episodes are published weekly, and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and most other podcast platforms. Thanks for listening.